Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. Having moved into 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we have already learned that the first verse contains a warning, a very serious warning, one that we do not dare accept lightly, but rather we need to listen to it and consider it very carefully. But I can also tell you that verse 2 contains an encouragement. Warning in verse 1, encouragement in verse 2. Now, we are not quite ready for verse 2, but we'll be getting to it rather quickly but now we will continue, or should I should say conclude, our examination of verse 1, the warning verse, and then move to verse 2. Verse 1 says, But then we as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. We plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And we examined that phrase previously to today, to try to discern, is that talking about the grace of salvation? Is that talking about the grace of Christian living? And of course, the, there's truth in either direction we go, but the context would point to the grace of salvation. Because when we get on to the encouragement of verse 2, we'll realize that that is exactly what he's talking about. So that makes this warning all the more severe. He's not saying, be careful that you don't waste your productive life as a Christian, though that certainly is true, and there are other places in God's Word that would warn us along those lines. But this is saying, be careful, professing Christian, be careful, member of the Corinthian church, because that's what he's writing this epistle to, be careful, those of you who are members of churches and are hearing this epistle read and preached from in your congregation, be careful that you do not receive the grace of God, that is, the grace of salvation, in vain. And, of course, because it is impossible to lose salvation that is true and genuine, other texts make that very clear, it becomes clear that what Paul is talking about here is it is possible to profess to be saved and go to hell. It is possible to think you are saved and to go to hell. It is possible to think that you have received the grace of salvation and to go to hell. That's a very real possibility. It needs to be taken seriously. There are many similar warnings in the New Testament, 
and we'd better heed them if we are wise. But I pause to welcome you to this Friday, January 13 edition of the Beacon Broadcast, and thank you for remembering that we can only do this by the financial help of our radio listeners. I will only give you one other example, though there are many others in the New Testament of similar warnings. But think about Jesus Christ and the parable of the four soils. Have you thought that parable through? Jesus said, The seed of God's word was scattered by the sower, and it landed on four different types of soil. The seed, of course, is the word of God, the word that God uses to bring forth salvation. The first seed, the first the first category that Jesus dealt with in this parable of the sower is the seed that fell on the pathway, on the road. That didn't penetrate, nothing sprang up. Everybody understands that's talking about seed that did not find a believing heart. But then there were two other kinds of seed, one that fell on rocky soil and one that fell on thorny soil, and both of these sprang up initially, but were choked out. Some think that that's talking about losing salvation or something else, but the parable, I think, is clear enough for those who will look at it carefully, and that is that there are people who profess to be saved, but over time demonstrate that they are not. They may even be people who not only profess to be saved, but think they are saved. But over time, their life does not produce any spiritual fruit. It was only the seed that fell in the good soil, prepared, prepared soil. You can't consider the stony ground prepared soil. If that were prepared, then the rocks would have been removed and the soil would have been receptive. You can't consider the thorny ground to be prepared soil. Because if it were prepared, then the thorn bushes would have been removed. So these are seeds that, as the farmer is sowing, they get scattered farther than the field in which he's sowing them. Some blow over on the road. Some blow into rocky areas that have not yet been prepared for cultivation. Some seeds blow over into areas where there are thorn bushes growing. Again, areas that have not been prepared for cultivation. But some of the seed... In fact, we would have to assume a great deal of the seed falls into good soil, and it springs up and bears fruit, 30, 60, 100-fold, not all the same amount of fruit, but all of it fruit. So think this through. Something sprang up among the thorns, but that was not prepared soil. It choked out. Something sprang up among the rocks, but that was not prepared soil, and the heat of the sun choked that out, but some seed fell in soil prepared, obviously hearts prepared by the Holy Spirit of God, and that sprang up and kept growing and growing and growing. It was not snuffed out, and it eventually produced fruit. That, of course, would be spiritual fruit, and hearts that are truly regenerate will grow up to produce fruit, Christ-likeness, the fruit of the Spirit, evidence of genuine salvation of the new birth. But it is possible to be a professing Christian and yet 
not produce spiritual fruit. All the fruit that is produced, all this, the, the seemed fruit, the claimed fruit that is produced is the kind of thing that unregenerate people can do. Attend church, go through religious routines, be involved in church activities, but there is not that fruit of the Spirit, that hunger for the Word, that Christ-likeness being developed and growing slowly within. That is absent. And that's the danger. That's the warning that Paul is talking about here. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you, Corinthians, you, members of the church at Corinth, not to receive the grace of God in vain. That's the warning. A warning about superficial faith, about shallow professions of faith that are not evidence of a new birth experience produced by the Holy Spirit of God. And if that were true in the church of Corinth, and evidently Paul thought that it was, then it is true in your church and my church. And the question for each of us is, am I one of those people that Paul is warning about? We must take that seriously and examine our hearts to be sure that we are in the faith. Make your calling and election sure. But now we move from a warning to an encouragement in verse 2. For he says... And now he's quoting from Isaiah 49, verse 8. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Well, we've all heard that last part of verse 2 quoted, but let's get all of this in its context and understand exactly what the Spirit of God is saying. The Old Testament citation is Isaiah 49, 8. And here's what it says. Thus says the Lord, Behold, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth to cause them to inherit the desolate heritages. Now, what is this all about? Well, who is it that is speaking? It is I, the Lord. You can tell that. It is Jehovah God who is speaking. And to whom is he speaking? He's speaking to the servant of Jehovah, that is, the Messiah, that is, the Christ. We see that from verse 3 and 5 and 6 and 7 in this text. That's who is being spoken to when he says... In an acceptable time, I have heard you, God the Father is saying to God the Son, as a covenant to the people to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate heritages. So I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people, and so forth. And that's what Paul is quoting here. So what is this all about? Well, it is the promise of God of a redeemed people, Jews and Gentiles in a day future to Isaiah, but a day that the Apostle Paul now tells us has come. But at a future time to Isaiah, in an acceptable day, in an appointed day, God is going to redeem 
a host of people, both Jews and Gentiles, unto himself. And the apostolic application then, in the last part of verse 2, is, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The one that was promised by Isaiah, prophesied by Isaiah, future to Isaiah, it has now come. Now is the accepted time about which Isaiah speaks. Now is the day of salvation about which Isaiah speaks. Isaiah's future day, to him future, has now come to us, says Paul, writing to the Corinthians. The day of salvation has come because Messiah has come to accomplish this promise. In other words, the day of Gentile inclusion spoken of by Isaiah the prophet, has come because Messiah has come and has inaugurated this day of Gentile inclusion, indeed has commanded that Gentiles shall be included. And so, a day of universal gospel proclamation has come. Unlike in the Old Testament, where salvation was pretty much restricted to the Jewish people. We won't go into all of the ins and outs of that now, but the term pretty much, I think, will cover it, and we can move on. But now the day of universal gospel gospel proclamation has come. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. That wasn't Old Testament language, but that was the command of the Messiah who has come. The day of enlarged opportunity has come. The day of grace, we might call it, has come. And... What Paul is saying is, that has come to you Corinthians, you who are Gentiles. You who, if this day had not come, would be alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and outside the promises of God and would not have the wonderful opportunity to come to Christ for salvation that you have now. Now, for you is this warning, don't squander the grace of salvation. And for God's children... Don't squander this evangelistic opportunity. It's a wonderful opportunity that has come. Until next week, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.